good morning. The reading today is uh, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. That's Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Good morning, church. There we go. Thank you. So this morning, I would like to start by asking you to name the companies or organizations that I'm going to put on the board, only looking at its logo. And then number two, you have to tell me what their main business is. You guys ready? We start with an easy one. Nike, right? Nike. What do they do? People are like, shoes, right? Good. How about this one? It gets harder. What's it? Pepsi. That's right. What do they do? <laughs> Terrible drinks. That's what they said. Drinks, right? Soft drinks. This one, this next one is harder because they used to be a really big company, but now there's only one of them in the whole world. There you go. You guys know it. Blockbuster. What do they do? Rent movies. That's, I heard that over here somewhere. Okay. How about this one here? Central Church of Christ. What do we do? Save souls. Save souls. So I love that. So <laughs> this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about purpose. We're going to talk about mission. And any organization needs to know their purpose and their mission. Because if, if not, they have this thing that they call, I don't know, mission or strategy myopia. That happens when they get short-sighted about their mission and their purpose. And when they do that, they limit their work. They limit their work and in short of the thing that they actually have to do. And because of that, they become ineffective, inefficient, and they don't last. So look, for example, uh, Nike. Look, for example, Pepsi. For the longest time, they were ineffective at, you know, competing with Coke. You know why? Because for the longest time, they saw themselves as a soft drink company. And then when they made the shift to say, you know what, we're not just a soft drink company. We are, we are a food service industry or a food industry. That's when they realized that they had, you know, that's when they acquired Frito-Lay. You guys know Frito-Lay, the chip company? They acquired Frito-Lay. They acquired uh, Quaker Oats. You know, the, the, what, what do they do? They, the cereal company. They acquired Gatorade. Do you guys know Gatorade? That's Pepsi's company. They acquired KFC. They acquired uh, Taco Bell and Pizza Hut. And now they're a global force to be reckoned with. Same thing with Nike. Before, they used to think, you know, they're just a shoe company. But now they believe that they are an athletic apparel company. They don't only outfit the person with shoes. They outfit the person with the whole stuff for sports. Blockbuster, though, is different. They had that myopia. They were short-sighted. They thought they only dealt with rental movies. Right? They should have thought that they were in the entertainment business. And if they had thought that, they would have snapped up the, the, the opportunity to buy what company? Netflix. Because they thought, you know, we just rented movies and online, that's not our thing. And so there's only one of them left in the whole world. 
Okay? Now the church has to think not differently, but similarly. We have to remember that we cannot limit our work to fall short of the purpose that Jesus Christ actually has intended for the church. Many people will say, well, the church, you know, there are main, you know, many have, we all have, you know, many people have different ideas about the mission of the church. People say, well, the church really is just there to make sure that people's needs are met. Right? Many people have many different needs and the church is there to fill it. Okay? Uh, some people think that the church is supposed to be there. This is their main purpose is for, for them to be there for the important moments in people's lives, like weddings. Births or sickness or when they're in the deathbed, deathbeds. I mean, these are all, don't get me wrong, these are all important work that the church does. But none of them is the core mission of the church. And what happens is if we think that those few tasks are, we risk missing our core purpose, our core mission. And the core mission and purpose of the church revolves around disciples. Specifically, making disciples. And today, that's what I'm going to talk to you about. Making disciples as the core mission of the church. Now, we're going to do that by looking into Matthew 28, 18 to 20. It's very, it's a very popular verse. We've seen it many times before. It's the Great Commission. The last thing that Jesus said to his disciples as recorded in scripture before he ascended into heaven. After he's resurrected from the dead and before he ascended into heaven. And in this particular passage, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In this passage, Jesus commands us one thing. There's only one command here. There's only one imperative in the original language. That imperative or command word is this. Make disciples. And in this particular passage, Jesus tells us the why, the what, and the how of disciple making. That's what we're going to talk about today. First, we're going to talk about the why. And the why revolves around the preface that Jesus had before he gave the Great Commission to his disciples. He alluded to his authority. Like, actually, he specifically mentions it. And we know that um, it's, not, it's like he's flexing his muscle. Like, you know, because I am all-powerful God, because I am sovereign God, this is what I want you to do. And we know that. We can put those two things together because of that word, therefore. You see in verse 19... Therefore, because I have all the authority, I want you to do this. Okay? There's something to be said about uh, somebody's last words. That's his last words to his disciples. And he said, because I am all-powerful God, therefore, because of that, this is what I want you to do. I want you to make disciples. And this authority is huge because... Jesus uses authority to command his disciples to make, to make more disciples because this is what is permeating in his mind and in his heart. We only need to look into scripture to see what Jesus Christ did, to see Jesus Christ's mission, to understand why disciple making is 
prime, is prime, is, 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 is premier or is priority in the church because it is priority for Christ. Look at his mission statement in Luke 19 verse 10. This is Jesus Christ's mission statement when he came to earth. This is the reason why he came to earth. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Like you, we, we can't ignore that when we talk about why disciple making. And we also can't ignore the reason why Jesus made disciples. Okay, This is his call to his disciples. Matthew 4.19 Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me. Do what I, as I'm doing and what I'm going to do is I'm going to form you. I'm going to have this work in you that when it's done, you will do what I'm doing. You will, you will also have as your priority, my priority, the reason why I came to earth. You will seek and save the lost. Being fishers of men. And uh, in John 17 verse 4, Jesus tells us, you know, we, we had this window in Jesus' life that he, he's like the best disciple maker. He's the first disciple maker. Remember in John 17 when he was praying to God? Right? This is before he died on the cross. This is before he was arrested. Okay? He, one, of, one of the things that he prayed for is this. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. Remember we talked about this before. What is he talking about here? He hasn't died on the cross yet. Why is he saying to God, I've done it. I finished the work that you've gave, given me to do. Yet he hasn't died on the cross yet. But if you look at the context, John 17 verse 5 and following, you will see Jesus talking about his disciples. You gave me these people. And what I have done is I have make, I have made, made, made you known to them. I have shown you them. I have discipled them. So that they can continue my work on earth. The reason why we're here today is because of them. Because they continued the work and others after them. That's what the church did. That is what we are to do. Otherwise, you will see churches dying. Because they're not making disciples. Now, the primacy of disciple making is in Jesus' heart and mind. And it was in his disciples' hearts and minds as well. Look at... Look at the priority for, uh, for, for the Apostle Paul. Look what he said. Colossians 1, 27 to 29. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present, look at this, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Maturing disciples. And look at the last sentence that he said, okay? For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. He's essentially saying, maturing my brothers and sisters in Christ, that is the number one thing that I spend my energy on that God gives me. Right there. Why disciple making? Because if you look at the biblical record, that is prime. These things are priority. This is priority for Jesus and for his apostles. And it should be for us as well. Now, let me tell you something personal. For me, it's, it's something personal. Why disciple making? You guys know Linda and I have been 
members of various congregations across Canada and the UK. The, the number one common thing that people ask us, you know, in church, as we serve people, is this. I think I've told you this before. Is This is the number one thing. Jay, Linda, why are our kids leaving the church? My heart breaks when I hear those questions, when, when I hear that question. And similar questions like that. Back then, we didn't have any kids. But now we have kids. I can understand the heart when people ask, when parents ask me that, ask us that question. It's heartbreaking. Why? I mean, why as soon as they assert their independence, as soon as they have a car or as soon as they go to university or finish high school, as soon as they have their own place, they totally just up and leave. They totally forget about their faith, forget about the church, and they're nowhere to be seen. That's alarming. Now, let's leave that. Like, Remember, this is the group. This is our children that's not in the church anymore, right? Now let's go to another group that is also equally alarming, but we're not concerned about. We've never, we've never had questions about this group in the church. Okay, This group is composed of people in the church that have been there for a long time. 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. They probably grew up in the church. But this group... Right? Are the people that don't serve in the church. They don't contribute anything to the church. In fact, actually, this, this group, you may find, are some of the most angry people in the church. They're the ones that when they see people in the church, new people in the church, they go, who is this person? Why are they here? I don't know them. They, 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 they don't look good. They stink. Right? They shouldn't be here. They're the ones that are hard. It's hard for them to forgive. It's hard for them to, uh, to, to have joy in their lives. It's hard for them to have compassion. And essentially, they're not growing. But we're not concerned about them because you know why? Because we always see them in church. Let me ask you this. Coming to church, okay, just coming to church alone, does that save you? No. But we're not alarmed about, we're alarmed about the, the, our children because they're not in the church anymore. We don't see them. But we're not alarmed about these people because we still see them. But they are the same group. And the reason that they're like that, you know why? It's because we have lost our focus. We have lost our priority. We have lost our mission. We have been, we have become short-sighted about what we do as a church. We have failed to disciple them. Because we think that disciple making is just making converts and having them sit here on Sunday mornings. Because you're here on Sunday mornings, you're disciples. Wrong. Disciples are the ones who grow in their love for God and with people. They are the ones who become more and more like Jesus every single day. And that is the mission of the church. Now, how can we do that? How can we make disciples of people in our congregation? Not just people outside, people inside. Because according to this, look at this. According to Jesus, 
making disciples is composed of two tasks. Okay? One is baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the other is in verse 20. Okay? After they're baptized, that's not the end of it. That's not the be all and end all of your discipleship. That's not followership. What? That's the start of our discipleship. What happens is, after we get baptized, we need to learn to obey everything that Jesus has commanded us. We don't stop, like, you know, we don't stop. We don't, when, when, we, when we're baptized, we're, we're, you know, Angel is going to be baptized today. When she gets baptized today, she's going to be our youngest sister in Christ. Right? She's like a spiritual infant. It's a beautiful thing. But we don't swaddle her and say, Angel, I'm going to put you in the corner and you go, okay? You do your thing. Okay? You're good. Yeah, you're good there. And then we leave. We don't do that with babies, right? We nurture them into growing. We grow them. We're there for them. We support them. That is what we do. But hey, listen. Let's put it all in context. Why, why, why does Jesus want us to make disciples? And why does he want us to baptize them and grow them and disciple them to obeying, to obedience? Well, let's go back to the very beginning, shall we? To Genesis. Do you guys remember why? Do you guys remember how Jesus or how God made human beings? How did he make human beings? He made them in, in his likeness, in his image, right? Do you guys remember that? Do you remember that? In his likeness, in his image. And, and that means, because if you look at the context, that means he has given us the power and the authority to rule on his behalf. He, he tells Adam and Eve, multiply, uh, fill the earth, subdue creation, and, uh, and, and have dominion over all my creation. Do that on my behalf. Okay? With God, with God in us, we can do that properly. But what happens, what happened was they sinned. Adam and Eve sinned. And because they sinned, that relationship got severed. Now they do the, now human beings do stuff that they want to do for themselves. Not for God, for themselves. They use and abuse the creation because the glory of God is not in them. Because sin is in them, not the glory of God. After that thing that happened at the Garden of Eden, when sin entered the world, God has not stopped working to bring people back to Him, to restore His relationship with human beings. And His main thing is that He wants His glory back in each and every person on earth. Look at this, Romans 8.29, For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. He wants us to be Christ-like. Since Jesus is God, if we are conformed to His image, then the image of God is restored in us. How does God do it? Through Jesus. And Jesus does it by making disciples who are baptized and who are growing to become more and more like Jesus so that the image of God is back in our hearts. 
so we can do things properly for God. Just like at the beginning of creation. That's the whole point. Now, baptism. First task in disciple making. Baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Why baptism? We talked about this before. But briefly, let's look at what Jesus tells Nicodemus. John 3, 5. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again of water and the Spirit, he can't enter the kingdom of God. And we understand that the early church understood being born again of water and spirit as baptism. Because in the early church, this is what they believed. Acts 2.38, about, about the meaning of baptism. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Right? In the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Water and the Spirit. And we also understand that in Galatians 3.27, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Putting on Christ doesn't mean that we have the mind of Christ. It means that it's a, it's a consistent process. We need to grow into that. That is why discipleship is important. That is why making disciples is our primary task. Because the baptized people here, they don't just become mature Christians by osmosis. Or by happenstance. We do it in relationship with each other. So, how do we do that? Well, we need to teach them to obey. Now, there's a difference, okay? A lot of times we read this and we go, well, Jesus says, baptize them and teach them. No, teach them to obey. If the command is to teach them the commandments of Jesus, we will have a printing press in the churches of Christ, and we will just hand Bibles to every Christian and to every person and say, just read it. Because you only have to know it. Because it says we only have to teach you it. You don't have to do it. Just teach it. Just, just know it. It's just for information and then you're good. You don't have to do any of it because it doesn't say, you know, to obey. But it says to obey. Teaching to obey is a totally different beast. You guys know you have kids. You can just tell, you can't just tell your child, yeah, just wash the dishes. You have to show them that. You can't just tell your kids, yeah, just go to church. Yeah, we can do that for a time, right? We can drag them here, but then when they have their own minds, they will see that it's futile for them because they did not connect it. They were not discipled as to the importance of this. It's easy to inform, but teaching to obey is not just information. It's information plus transformation. We have to know so that we can change. Do you guys see that? That is the key. That is disciple making. And so when we do that, we have to remember our kids. Because that's where it starts. Disciple making starts at home. With our spouse, with our kids. If you don't have spouse, a spouse or kids, with, with your family, with your parents, with your siblings... It starts that. If, if, you, if you're alone in the world, you don't have any kids or you don't have any family, it starts in your church family. That's where it starts. It doesn't start by going to Walmart and talking to the cashiers. That's good. But I'm telling you, if we don't do it with the people that we're close with, we're doing the easy thing. We're not doing the right thing. Okay? It's going to be short-lived. Now, here's the thing. Remember the Shema? Okay? 
Love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Um, keep this in your hearts. Okay? And then look at what, look at what Moses said to them. Impress them on your children. Impress them on your children. How do we impress that to people? To one another? Well, we need to talk about it all the time. We need to imprint it first in our minds and in our hearts so that it will flow naturally to other people. That is how it's done. Now, finally, and I'm not going to spend a lot, a lot of time with this. How exactly do we do that? What kind of attitude do we have in order for us to be able to do this? In order for us to not just be consumers of the services of the church. In order for us to not just be attenders of services in the church. How do we do that so that we can stop just thinking inwardly and start thinking outwardly? Beginning with the people around us, moving on to the people in our community. How do we do that? Well, look, there's this little word in there that Jesus includes. And it's one of three participles that feed into what making disciples is supposed to be about. We've already looked at two, right? Baptizing and teaching. The last one. And this last one is very important to form the attitude that we need to have to make disciples. Is this word right here. Go. Go. A lot of times, when we think, when we think evangelism, when we think disciple making, let's have them come to us. Let's invite them. But Jesus says, no, 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 you got to go to them. You got to go to them. You know, you can look at that two ways. First, you can look at that as, well, we need to make disciples as we go about our daily work. So we can't say, you know what, that's just not me, Jay. I'm not the guy who teaches or preaches or talks to people. But you do talk to people. You do encounter people at work, in school. You have family. You have relatives that don't know Jesus. Show them the light of Christ. You have the light. Don't hide it under a bushel. No. Let it shine. That's the first thing that we can all do. We all have that in common. You don't have to be specially skilled to do that. You just need to have Jesus in your heart. And you know what happens when we get baptized? We put on Jesus. So you have that in you. You can shine your light to people by the way that you speak, the way that you treat them, what you do with your money, what you do with your time. They can see that. We can disciple them. We can make them closer to following and trusting Jesus. Okay? Next, we can look at that as, you know, go as being intentional. Not stay, not slack, but go. There's a proactive stance to it. It's not passive. You're thinking about it. You can't just say, well, I believe that. But if you don't really intend to do it, you're not going to do it. You know what's going to happen? There's going to be opportunities. They're going to pass you by. And you're thinking, well, I've never had the opportunity. Yes, you have. You just have not thought about it. We have just not intended to do it. Okay? You know what they say? You know what they say? You, uh, when you, when, when you, uh, when you, when you aim at nothing, you know what's going to happen? You will consistently hit it. 
And you're thinking, Jay, intentionality is hard, but we are all intentional. You guys, we are intentional about so many things in this life, and you, can, you don't even think about it. You're intentional about the things that you, prior, that you prioritize. Okay? How many of you guys know when the next football game is going to be? Don't raise your hands. Don't implicate yourself here. Okay? How many of you guys know when the next hockey game is going to be? You guys know because that's in your mind and in your heart, right? What we're saying here today, brothers and sisters, is that this has to be above anything that we can do in this world. Because this is the mandate that Jesus has given to us. And so, brothers and sisters, I will leave you with this last quote. Do you guys remember this guy? His name is Clive Staples Lewis. C.S. Lewis. Do you guys know what he did? In my mind, it's like he, uh, he wrote the Narnia books. Those are good books, right? Narnia. This is what he said about the church. Look at this. In his book, Mere Christianity, in, on chapter, chapter 8, I love that chapter. He said this. The church exists for nothing else but to draw men into Christ. To make them little Christs. If they are not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, look at this, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. God became man for no reason at all. Remember, God's mission is to bring people back to him. And as we remember that, I pray that the first thing that we do today, if at all, we can all do this, is to start by, by purposing in our hearts, by resolving to give our, our whole selves to Jesus. To, to surrender all of ourselves to Jesus. And that's what we, we are going to do as we stand and sing the song of invitation.